Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Well, hello, I'm Janet Marana, Executive Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to our program. Well, have you, you know, first of all, I have, believe it or not, three daughters, all right? And uh, they're all adults now. They're in their 40s. And, you know, raising them up as good Christians, good Catholics, and conservative values and pro-life. They would even go to pro-life marches with me and this and that. And of the three, only one has turned a little more liberal. The other two are still, thank God, conservative. But what happened to the one that went a little bit more liberal? I keep trying to bring her back to be conservative, but it's a constant struggle. You might be having that problem in your family too. And if you do, you're going to love the program today because I had the opportunity here to speak to Michelle Easton. And she has written a book that I can't wait to talk about, Raising a Conservative Daughter. So, Michelle, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Janet. It's such a treat to be with you. And I love to talk about this book, How to Raise a Conservative Daughter, um, which I wrote after running a group where I work with young women for 29 years. Oh, wow. So like I I just alluded to, I have three daughters. They're all married. They're in their 40s. One of them still lived in New York. She just recently moved to Florida. The other one also lives in Florida. But one moved to L.A., (laughs) got married, and is raising two of my grandchildren out in L.A. And she's the one that I just alluded to, even though she had this great Catholic upbringing, pro-life. She went to the March for Life with me and things like that. She's kind of turned a lot more liberal now. And I think back and say, hmm, why did I go wrong? What did I do? So when I heard about your book, Michelle, Raising a Conservative Daughter, I said, okay, I'm sure there's other parents out there. Maybe their kids are younger, and maybe there's a course correction I could have taken, but we can get them to take. Um, because, like, you know, we, you know, the culture right now, as you know, it's so terrible, pressing in on our young people. I think just about every parent out there must be going, okay, Michelle, what's the recipe? How do we raise a conservative daughter? So go ahead, give us a hint. <laughs> well, there's, there's no magic bullet. Um, and as far as your uh, one daughter goes, um, I pray for her and life's experiences may shift her as well. And some of the lessons you taught her when she was young. But the point of the book really is here we are in 2022. And in the olden days, when I was growing up, if your family was conservative, if you had faith and you went to church, you you could have a pretty good shot at having your daughters come out to be uh, good, healthy conservatives. But it's not that way anymore today. Um, with toxic social media, with radical indoctrination in the schools, with the, the entertainment industry just going so low sometimes. What I uh, try to persuade parents and others involved with parents in the book, uh, uh, children in the book, is starting young, thinking yourself, thinking through the basic conservative concepts and 
how you can infuse them into your daughter's life and mind at a young age. It's not a magic bullet. By the time some girls get to college, they're fine. Others, uh, they, we lose them. We lose them. But I think you're going to have a better shot if you start when they're really young with uh, some of the things I suggest in uh, How to Raise a Conservative Daughter. Okay, so let, let's talk about, because maybe people aren't aware of, what would you call those conservative concepts? Like, what, Let's give a few bullets of what are those conservative concepts. Well, I have 11 chapters, and each one of them hits on one. The first is about self-worth flows from God, not government. This is key. This is so important. Even if you don't go to church, to understand that our rights as Americans, the thing that makes our country so exceptional, is that our rights are from God, not from government. This is really essential in a policy sense as well. Plus the whole notion that for a young woman to know that her self-worth comes from God, um, not from outside forces. It's a, it's a wonderful thing for a girl to know. And, and, and you've done something wonderful if you can give your daughter this knowledge that she's uniquely made and unconditionally loved by God. And this, this is uh, relevant to so many of the other parts of being a conservative. Um, right. And so even for moms and dads who for whatever reason they don't want to go to church, doesn't matter. Take your girls to church. Take them to church. Let them know the core uh, principles of faith. Let them know the faith community, the kind of people uh, that can help them throughout their lives. Um, and it's uh, the self-worth. I mean, it's a, it's a very conservative concept and, and it kind of contrasts with self-esteem which is something we hear a lot about, which is good, you know, to feel good about yourself. But self-esteem essentially has you looking to other people, where self-worth is a, a confidence and a satisfaction in yourself, in you, this unique person that God has made. And that's kind of central. Um, well, and, uh, and you know... All, oh, self-esteem, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. But well, you know, it's, um, Michelle, you're touching on something very important that maybe a lot of young people don't realize. Um, and that's why this whole concept of self-worth is so important that you, you get your rights from God. Because, you know, over a, a century ago, you know, the women couldn't even own property. Remember back in the day, women had, they had not, they couldn't vote. They didn't, couldn't own property. It was a whole list of things. And gradually women, you know, came up and fought for those rights for women. So they were trying to get our government to give them those rights. That's and that's why this concept of, no, 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 no. You don't need the government. You, you need to accept the fact that your worth as a woman comes from our Lord Jesus Christ, from God, right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. So, okay, and, so what, what's another concept of uh, conservative that we have to know? Um, well, my second chapter is called Family First. And this is the notion that a strong, close family increases the odds for a girl for a stable happy future it's the best defense against poverty it's the best source of love and lifelong support and for married couples use your marriage to show to show your daughters what a real loving relationship looks like not perfection none of us are perfect but to show the love of a husband and wife and how beautiful that can be in the family and you know, let's face it, Janet, sometimes it just doesn't work out and a mom or dad is raising a daughter alone. Well, then I would still argue you use a family first approach. You, you know, you, you use uncles, you use aunts, you, you use the church community to show that a group of like values and, and that love each other is, is a really good 
uh, uh, way to have a better chance of a happy, stable life as a girl. Families right. are key. And we know many on the left today and even politically, they scorn families. Uh, you know, it takes a village. Yeah, well, it takes a, it takes a village to support a family. Yeah, well, not only does it take a village, but they're redefining what a family can be, That's you right. know, with two mommies, two daddies, and all that stuff, That's and right. all the transgender stuff in between. But when you think about that old expression, I think Father Peyton was the one who coined it. A family that prays together stays together. And that's really embodying what you're saying. And like you said, even if you are a single mom raising your kids, taking them to church, praying before a meal with them, praying before bedtime, those are values that you can instill in them, even if you're raising the children on your own, because some families, that's what happens. They have to raise the children by themselves. But uh, you, you put the values in. So, okay. So we have the, uh, our, our rights from God, self-worth, yes. the importance of family. What's next? I put this really high. It was chapter three. Hard work is a virtue. I've been working with thousands of young women, mostly college age over the 29 years. And I've noticed that the strongest, the smartest, the ones with their heads on the best have had jobs from, as soon as they were able, I know when I was 16, I was allowed to work. I grew up in New York state. And uh, of course you always have to be careful with your daughters and your sons, your parents go out and, and check the places. Uh, and, and I worked in a the movie theater uh, as a candy girl and a ticket taker. And my brother was, my older brother was there too. So that was also a check. But I remember learning the first time I got a paycheck and they took so much money out of my tiny little, you know, minimum wage is a dollar twenty or something. Well, that taught me something right there about um, the overreach of government into into the pockets of hardworking people. There's something about young people having jobs, careful, safe jobs, not interfering with their schoolwork or their church, that makes them more mature and smarter. And, and there's a lot of parents who say, "Oh no, no, I just wanted to do cheerleading and chorus and this and that." And those are not unimportant, but I have found that girls who work, it's a trait that um, that makes them very responsible. They get the value of money. They understand their worth. They're getting paid for doing something. They get to work sometimes with people outside of their close little circle. Hard work is a virtue. And the, the, the girls that work for money, and some do volunteer, and that's okay too, it's a little different, are the best. Well, and you know, that holds true because I had got my first job as soon as I turned 17. Uh, boom, I got my first job actually working at Sears Roebuck and Company back in Brooklyn. And I haven't stopped working since. I mean, I've, and I'm going to be 70 this year, Michelle, and I'm still working. And when I think of my three daughters, I started getting uh, them to work when they were young, uh, a paper route for the local paper in Staten Island. <coughs> and so, and my daughters to this day always kid around that, oh, yeah, mom, <laughs> you know, you got us working like we were like 11, 12 years old when we were doing a paper route and they haven't stopped working either. So That's you're right. right. So what's the next concept? That's good. And let me just mention, I never said <coughs> I'm 72 this year and I love what I do. If you can find a job that you love, you're really blessed. Uh, next, a woman's differences are her strengths. And you've already alluded to that. But teaching your daughters to celebrate the natural differences between men and women, the, you know, the breathtaking miracle of childbirth. Um, right. And yet we know that nowadays the popular culture is trying to say, oh, no, we're just the same. And by the way, 
young man, if you want to be a girl, you just go have some surgery and, um, you know, change your body and, and, and you could be a girl. And, and I would just argue, no, you can't. You can be a boy who wants to be a girl, but a male and a female, our chromosomes, our ability to bear children were quite different. And we want girls to celebrate these variations, to be so happy to be a woman with all the blessings God gives us as a woman. Well, and there's nothing more beautiful than, um, you know, first of all, you're giving birth to a child. But then I remember for myself uh, being allowed to be at the hospital and watching my daughter giving birth to her daughter and, uh, you know, seeing my grandchild come into the world. I was in the delivery room. So nothing is more beautiful than celebrating the gift of motherhood, uh, as you say. It's, it's, it's amazing. All right, so what's our next concept? <laughs> um, next one, and it's not necessarily at, at this level of importance, but I have defend life. Defending life, learning the importance of life from conception to the natural death. That's a moral obligation. Uh, right. when, when you impart to your girls that life flows from God and you teach her to respect herself and her life-giving body, uh, she knows that life is sacred and must be defended. And... Um, you know, we're still doing close to a million abortions a year here in our country. It's tragic. But the good news is that some of the polling shows, Janet, that among young people, it's shifting. It and I, shifting. my theory is that our kids are visual and they see the pictures now. They see the sonograms. They see the little baby in the womb sucking his thumb or whatever. Um, I really feel we're making progress on this. Not enough. But we are with young people who seem, many of them seem to get this now. It's a right. life. It's not a blob of cells. Right. And I also think, you know, Michelle, that the extreme um, position now that the Democratic Party has taken, very obviously out there, up front saying yes. abortion is fine up till birth, including birth. Um, you know, we here in the United States have some the most extreme abortion laws. You know, most of Europe, they only allow abortion in the first trimester. Yes. We're in line with some of the communist countries, you know, like China and North Korea and so on. Yes. So, you know, the young people look at that and go, what do you mean? You know, you can't have an abortion uh, late like that. Oh, no, no. You know, so most young young adults, well, if they're either 100% pro-life or they're at least leaning more in that direction, because they see the extremism of the Democratic Party and they go in like, uh-uh, that's that's killing a baby. No, 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 no. So you're right. Uh, and that is the most important uh, principle, you know, to just know it's that. It's very key. It's very key. When we talk to the young women and say, you know, what's your num number one issue? I'd say at least 60% say life. <laughs> say life. Yeah. Well, you know what? If you don't have life, you can't worry about the other issues. You got to be That's born right. first before you. What's your health care plan? What's your education plan? Right. What's your housing plan? Well, you got to have life first. Then you can worry about the rest, you know? Right. And the whole notion at the end of the death panels, when you get old, the federal government's going to decide whether or not you get medical care. Medical care. So it's the whole span right. of our lives. Mm -hmm. um, and respecting life is just a key part of of your daughters uh, right. turning out happy, I think. All right. So now after Defend Life, what's the next concept? Well, now, this is one of my favorite chapters. This is uh, the next one in my book here, How to Raise a Conservative Daughter, because my father was so big on this. It's manage money early and often. And the idea here is even the best girls, the best kids in the world can get really messed up on things like credit cards, on not mm -hmm. understanding 
money uh, on uh, you know going into debt. So what I recommend in here is that you start when your kids are really little. Uh, back in the old days, they had piggy banks. I had a piggy bank. You know, I had a piggy bank too. In, they do a chore or they get a gift. And then if they want to buy something, they see, okay, well, this is going to deplete the money that I've saved. Um, as they get older, you want them in high school, it's nice to get them a checking account. A lot of people don't use them anymore, but to understand how that works. And maybe even a co-owned credit card with you and, and them on it with a limit to start to understand how money works, how you can use money, how you can use it wisely. And also the whole, this is a policy concept that work that is separate from income is, you, uh, is a good thing. When you have income coming in as, as the current uh, leadership of this country just sends out the thousands of thousands of dollars and it's not sent in relationship to work, that creates a sort of dependency frame of mind, uh, which is not good. I mean, that, that's socialism. Oh, we'll take care of all your needs. Mm -mm. There's, it's free. There's nothing free. There's no free college loan. There's no free lunch, as Milton Friedman said years ago. Somebody is paying for it. Young right. women who understand money, who have some practice with it at a young age, they're much better off in their life. Oh, sure. You know, I, I point that out uh, all the time to my children and my, when they were young and now my grandchildren, that nothing is free in life. So if you're not paying for it, someone else is. And so recently, instead of buying a gift and giving it to my grandchildren in California, like shipping it out there, I sent them gift cards right? To a store they liked. And so my daughter said that they're six and four. And she said, you know, mom, this was the best lesson because I had to bring them into the store, tell them how much money they had on that gift card. And they went up and down the aisles and they would point at something. And my daughter would say, well, you don't have enough money for that. Your gift card is this amount of money. Um, so you can't buy that. But look at this aisle over here. You could get two things from this aisle. And she said, what a great lesson. They learned, even at six and four, about making decisions and using their money wisely with their little gift card. And they had the greatest time. So I said to my daughter, I said, well, you know what? I'm going to send gift cards more often because it taught them a lesson about budgeting and, you know, just how much am I going to spend and making a, a decision about their, their presence. So uh, I agree. Uh, Absolutely. You could have written this chapter, Janet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So what's our next concept? Next one is about service to others. Service ah. to others, voluntary service to others is really key. It teaches you a lot about giving um, and, and helping others in need. I always say first service goes to your family. Okay. If you have an older grandmother or you have somebody in your family, that has a need. If we all took care of our own families, the whole world would be a, bit, a lot better off. But then beyond that, you go to neighbors, you go to perhaps people in your church, you go to those kind of things. I'm very opposed to mandatory volunteerism, which is what some of the schools have. My kids, I had three sons, and they were in a school that did not allow them to help their family as part of the service. My mother had Alzheimer's, God rest her soul. And it was, and she was home, and it was so much. And they spent hours with her, but that didn't count. They made them go to uh, uh, senior homes where they didn't know anybody. And frankly, they, they knew there were greater needs at home. I'm, I'm really opposed to that kind of mandatory service. I think it, 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 it makes people angry. But service to others, 
in all the different ways, starting with your family, to me, is key. When they're very young, they can start to do this. They can help a church with different things. They can help a school. They can help in their neighborhood. Right. Yeah. No, again, <clears throat> I always taught my daughters to, uh, you know, volunteer or Good. take them with me when I volunteered for a volunteer opportunity. So they saw me volunteering mm -hmm. and I would bring them along uh, kind of thing. Okay. Yes. So service to others. What's, what's next? What I chapter? chapter. <laughs> it's called Camp campus activism. Isn't just for feminists. Here's the idea. You've raised this good young woman, um, and for some girls, it starts in high school. You've um, here we have we teach them to speak, we teach them to uh, be more articulate, to be deeper on conservative issues. But you've taught her to speak, you've taught her to present herself with grace and strength, and you've taught her to be a good writer. When she gets to college, you encourage her to be active for her beliefs. There's all kinds of ways to do that. There's church groups. There's students for life. There's Groups like Claire Booth Lou Center for Conservative Women, uh, Young Americans for Freedom. She finds people that share her values. They work together on different projects. Um, and, and, it, and there's plenty of people and organizations to help young women when they get to college. We hear about the feminists and the left a lot, but we're hearing more about conservative students who join together to promote conservative ideas at their campus. Not just for feminists, conservative women can be activists too. And that, Really, in terms of me and my heart, that is my goal for, for these young women. Not everybody's meant to be on a radio show like this or to be at the podium. Uh, but most young women just need a little push, a little more confidence building to stand up, whether it's in their community, it's in a professional position, whatever it is, and promote our conservative ideas, joining with other people who share those ideas. Well, and I also think, uh, Michelle, that... Parents, you know, if you're going to send your, your daughter off to college, I think you would have to really help a, a lot in the decision-making process of what college. Because obviously, if you go to a liberal college, you're going to have a harder time on, on, in that kind of an atmosphere. But if you go to a, a Christian university, a university like I'm just thinking Liberty University or something like that, you got a better shot <laughs> that she's going to be with more like-minded folks. So I think, you know, for parents really when they're in high school and they're discerning those young ladies, a college, you've got to really carefully help influence them into the right kind of university so that they don't get swept up by the culture. Right. Right. And you, ha you have to judge your individual daughter in different ways. Um, some of our best leaders emerged from these very left wing schools where they're so, uh, oppressed, so offended by what goes on that they feel they must speak out. And some girls do okay in that, but for others, Hillsdale, Liberty, uh, religious schools, they do they do well there too. So it's different with every child. With my own kids, uh, I sent my youngest son uh, to Hillsdale. And you know what? If I had it to do over again, Janet, I would say to each of them, you can go to Hillsdale or Grove City or one of those schools, or you can go to work. I would not pay for the left-wing colleges that the older two boys had. I would not pay for that again. They don't get a good education. They're constantly uh, discriminated against, and they're, they're stifled for the most part. They're afraid of losing a grade, so they don't speak up. Um, and again, it all depends on the personal, the personal right. personality of the child. But um, that's why I'm saying it's very important for parents to discern yes. with their their daughter 
right. where they're going to send them. And, and in most cases, you're helping, even if you're, if you even aren't uh, afford to give them all the money for school, you're maybe co-signing loans. Well, before you co-sign a loan, make sure it's a school that you want them to go to. Otherwise you say, sorry, That's I'm right. not paying to send you to some liberal college where you're going to lose right. your faith and your values, you know? That's right. And, okay, and so that's important. What what Are we almost up to the end? What's the next? 10 is communication skills. I just argue, work with your children to uh, get them to be good writers, you know, practice. We all have cell phones now. You, they have to give an introduction or a presentation class. Help them become better speakers. And there's a lot of details uh, in there about how to do that. And the last chapter is know the history of great conservative women leaders. I have eight who have passed away and eight who are current. But among the passed away is Mother Teresa, Claire Booth Luce, Jean Kirkpatrick. We have wonderful role models on our side, but you're never going to hear about them in the College Women's Studies programs because they only teach about women who are left-wing or socialist or feminist, except perhaps to condescend or ridicule. Well, and, and one of my one of my favorites, I don't get tired of telling young women about, is Phyllis Shafley, who founded Equal yes. Forum, but who also took on the Equal Rights Amendment and saw how bad it would be for women. Yes. You know, so there's another example of a, a very modern day champion, and she's gone on to be with the Lord. But Phyllis Shafley, uh, the founder of Eagle Forum, I think she's a, and here she was, a mother, a grandmother, and she fought fearlessly. She, she also did. fought to keep the pro-life platform and plank yeah. in the Republican Party platform. So I always like to shine a bright light on uh, Phyllis Shafley as being. She's uh, in here. She's in here uh, in the last chapter. And she okay. actually spoke for us many, many times. She did debates for us. What a remarkable woman. And the thing I love about her is when she reached 50 and her kids were gone, she went to law school. Right. <laughs> what a woman. What a woman is right. So, okay. So, Michelle, let's tell everyone where they can get your book. Well, you can get it wherever good books are sold. You can get it online uh, at all the book uh, uh, publishers online. You can get it at Regnery Publishing. Um, if you go to your local store and they don't have it, say to them, why not? This book is in its third printing now. It's in paperback now. You know, it's sold thousands of books. Why don't you have this in your bookstore? Because what I've discovered is that, because, of course, I go around and want to know if they have it. A lot of bookstores are run by leftists who have very few conservative books, except, you know, the big ones, Mark Levin, things like that. Right, they don't right. have uh, conservative books. So it's a chance to be an activist there. That's right. And they can also, I'm sure, obtain it on Amazon, too. Right? That's right. Amazon, you get it the next day. Yeah. Well, Michelle, I really want to thank you for such a lively discussion. And uh, God bless you. And I'll hope and pray that many people get that book and help get their daughters on the right track. So thank you for joining me today. Thank you. And God bless you as well. Okay. Well, brothers and sisters, thank you, too, for joining me on this program. And the book, um, <clears throat> Raising a Conservative Daughter, uh, you, there's the website, and you can also go to Amazon and get your copy because you know what? It's up to you, moms. We got to get those daughters on the right track. So thank you for joining me on Just Ask Janet. Until next time, this is Janet Marana, Executive Director of Priest for Life. Thanks and God bless. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.